Welcome to the Nothing Is Wasted podcast, where we believe that no matter what you've gone through in life, God is inviting you to partner with Him to take back your story. On this podcast, we have inspiring conversations with people who are doing just that. And now, your hosts, Davey Blackburn and Aubrey Sampson. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Nothing is Wasted podcast. I'm Aubrey. And I'm Davey. And uh, today I'm excited about our conversation uh, because we brought on Crystal Payne, who is a New York She's Times. She's awesome. Yes, she is. And especially many of you guys, especially you moms, you might be familiar with her. She is known as the money-saving mom. She's a New York Times bestselling author, host of the Crystal Payne show. And her latest book is about parenting. So, it deviates a little bit from the stuff that she, you know, has right. kind of built a platform for, but it was a very intriguing conversation. Mm-hmm. I feel like that a lot of these conversations recently, Aubrey, have really been hitting home t- for me, and I've been feeling extremely convicted. Like where you are in your season. Where I am in the season, where I'm like, mm-hmm. oh, I listen, the whole conversation, I'm going, Oh man, I feel really convicted right now. Oh man, I feel really. <laughs> oh, I haven't done love-centered parenting. Which have ju- I? <laughs> isn't that just kind of the nature of being a parent of young kids? You just never uh, feel like you're doing it good enough. We'll talk oh, more about that so on the back end of this episode after you guys listen to my conversation with Crystal Payne. Um, but and before we do that, I, we just want we'd love for you to rate and review the podcast if this ministers to you in any way, or if this podcast as a whole has ministered to you, would you drop us a review and let us know that it ministers to our heart. And uh, it also helps other people see this podcast. It kind of helps the exposure of that so they can hear these wonderful stories of pain to purpose. And then, like Davey said, stick around. We're going to be talking about our parental woes and the things we <laughs> we learned and were encouraged by uh, fr- from Crystal. So let's go ahead and take a listen to Davey's conversation with Crystal Payne. Crystal, it's an honor to have you joining me on the Nothing is Wasted podcast. Thanks for being here. I'm so excited to be here. Well, um, you know, I was really excited to have this conversation because uh, you have, this past year, you've released a book on parenting, and um, it is uh, there's, a, there's a journey that you've been on in terms of kind of your parenting style, and um, it's been through some very difficult things. Uh, you know, you're, you're obviously in that realm where you're helping parents, specifically moms. <laughs> in a lot of ways, you've been a blogger and a podcaster for a long time, helping moms to save money and um, just with practical things in life. And, and now you've gone through this really interesting um, experience where I'm excited for us to dive into it and, and hear a little bit about your story and what God's been teaching you in that. First, tell us a little bit about yourself. Just present day, Crystal Payne. So my husband and I have been married for 18 and a half years, and we have four biological children. They are 16, 14, 12, and 1. We are also foster parents, and we actually currently have um, a little 13-month-old boy who um, he's been with us for almost six months, and he has a lot of special needs, Down syndrome. Um, He only eats through a feeding tube, and um, he was born with a cleft lip, cleft palate, um, so just a lot of medical complexities. And right now, at this moment, um, we also are um, taking care of, he's upstairs, um, our other little boy that we fostered last year for um, eight months. And so we actually, I feel like he's sort of 
my son as well. Um, and yeah. we live in the Nashville, Tennessee area. And um, I have run MoneySavingMom.com since 2007. Kind of just fell into blogging. Uh, yeah. Thought it was going to be this little side thing, and it ended up being... <laughs> Full time, and my husband was able to come home from law school in 2004. Not from law school, from being an attorney. He went to law school, then was an attorney. <laughs> um, came home in 2014, and um, we do this together. And it's just wow. been a wild adventure and ride, and just wonderful to see God do things far exceedingly abundantly above whatever we could ask or think. Yeah. Holy cow! I don't know if anybody, especially back when you got into it, into blogging, I don't know if anybody expects to just this thing's going to be full time. It's going to take off like that, but it really has for you. And, um, and, and again, as I referenced earlier, you've been helping moms specifically with a lot of different things. And, and, and now you're carrying a message that is helping moms, um, on an even deeper level and, um, you know, working through some, some pain and suffering, maybe that they're walking through. Can you talk, go back and talk to us a little bit about how that, that was inspired in your own life through your own journey? Yes. Well, if you had told me eight years ago that I was going to write a book that had parenting the title, I'd have been like, mm, you got the wrong person. I don't As talk about us, parenting. Right? <laughs> like, but, uh, I don't know. I don't know if I want to talk about parenting because I'm still trying to figure it out. <laughs> yes. Um, but I also didn't know that four years ago I was going to just really hit rock bottom yeah. as a mom. And one of my kids was just going to go through a really, really, really hard season. Mm. And through that season, like the title of your podcast, Nothing is Wasted, I look back and see how God used such a broken place, broken spaces to really change, remake me and let his light shine through so many cracks. And then he kind of just... I had to go back to the beginning and relearn how to parent, but also relearn how to be loved by my Heavenly Father so that I could love my kids well. And so that's really what the message of this book is. Man. Well, it, it started with particularly a, some, a situation arising with one of your kids and then it got, it turned for the worse, um, pretty quickly. Why don't you go ahead and start back at what you would deem the beginning of this and, uh, tell us a little bit about what happened and, and, and how this really shook you guys. Yes. So it really started or we discovered it. Um, One day my husband was dropping our three kids off at the little private Christian school that they were going to. And um, the principal met him and said, I need to speak with you and your wife and this particular child after school. And we knew just instinctively that something was really wrong. And we tried to rack our brains to think, what, what happened? What have we missed? What, what went down? And we couldn't come up with anything. And um, so we go to the principal's office that afternoon and discover that our child had done something that was really serious, that had broken the school's code of conduct. And um, the school was going to take very swift measures to um, resolve this. And there were a lot of things that needed to take place. And over the course of the next few days, we had a lot of meetings um, with different parents and a lot of conversations. And trying to get to the bottom of where this had come from, we felt very blindsided by it all. Um, and in the process, then our child just really... I would say spiraled out. It was like this triggered something that then they spiraled out and um, they'd always struggled some with anxiety, but it just went 
crazy and then it turned into severe depression and then they started saying suicidal things and we just were at a loss as parents to know what do we do because our child needs really serious help something's going on and yet we struggled to find that help we called multiple counselors offices and they would say well this is just a really serious issue we don't see kids that are at that level um and then finally they told us we needed to go into the er so i start this book with walking into the er and saying my child's suicidal um and i really wanted to start there even though i would never really want to start there but because i wanted parents to know that this is not a book written by someone who has it all figured out has these really perfect kids who have never done anything wrong and i'm going to tell you exactly how you can have perfect kids but i wanted to lower the stage right away to say i'm i'm with you. I'm in this. And I've walked through something that is one of the hardest things to walk through as a parent and you're not alone. Wow. Wow. As you guys begin to kind of untangle all of this, um, with this child, you know, what were you, what did you begin to discover as far as, um, you know, reasons or motivations behind, you know, some of the, the anxiety that, that, they've been experiencing, but also, you know, what the, was there environmental stuff? Was there, you know, what were the things that were kind of triggering this, uh, behavior? There was so much that we uncovered. And I think it really pointed back to, we had to start with us and to recognize that something was broken and something was wrong. And, you know, just going back to, how are we parenting and are we parenting in a way that is really helping or hurting? And we felt pretty helpless to know, okay, what do we do? And we were finally able to get our child in um, with a therapist. And I remember sitting on that couch across from the therapist, the very first session when she just had my husband and I go in and have the session first and just saying to her, if there is anything anything that I can do or change, please let me know because I I just want to help my child and I don't know how to help them. And it just feels like everything that I'm doing is just causing them to lash out and, you know, just be so vitriolic and, and angry and just, I, I don't know what to do. And so she started meeting with our child and um, over the course of the next few weeks, they had multiple sessions and she called me back in about three weeks later. And she said, Um, I feel like you're trying so hard to fix your child. What would it look like to walk with them instead? And that just really challenged me at the core because I am a fixer. I'm a problem solver. That's the way that I'm wired. And I started paying attention to how I was parenting. And pretty much in every situation, if a child was struggling or two kids were arguing or um, there was something going on that I just felt like needed to be resolved. I was always just kind of swooping in and fix it mode and trying to get this resolved. And I realized I was spending so much time correcting my kids and very little time connecting with them. Mm. And as I started to ask, well, why? Where is this coming from? And I realized that I cared so much about my reputation. I wanted to be a good mom. I wanted the approval of others. And so I was parenting for my reputation instead of for relationship. 
And so by me coming in to fix it and to try to resolve it, it was actually for me to do damage control for my reputation, for me to control my kids because I cared about what other people thought. And I also, I wanted to be a good mom in the eyes of God. And I realized that I was seeking his approval and trying to do all the right things in order to sort of win his approval. And so I had to then go back to square one and say, hold up. Like what, where is this, where is this coming from? And it was really rooted in lies that I had believed about myself for years. And these lies had become the labels that I wore and that I led with. And so in every conversation and every situation in my parenting, my marriage and um, my relationships with others, I was wearing these lies as labels, lies that, you know, I'm a disappointment to those closest to me and that I don't measure up, that I'm a failure, that I'm not enough. And I let that cloud my perception and I let that be what I believed and how I lived. And I started really asking, what does the word of God say? And I realized these are lies, but they had become my truth. And so it was really a two-year journey of recognizing those lies and calling them out verbally as lies. I remember so many mornings um, as I'm getting ready, I feel like a lot of times standing in front of the mirror, putting my makeup on or doing my hair, that's when all these lies would kind of swirl through my head of, you're not enough, you're a failure, you are a disappointment, you failed yet again, and just over and over and over. And to start calling those out verbally and saying, that's a lie. Mm -hmm. And to really allow myself to recognize it as a lie, but then to replace it with the truth. It's not enough to just recognize that it's a lie, but then to replace it with the truth, the truth of who I am in Christ. And to start really searching the scriptures to say, what does God's word say that I am in Christ? He says that I am redeemed, that I am beautiful, that I'm loved, that I'm chosen, that I'm forgiven. And God doesn't make mistakes in failures. And if I am saying that I'm a child of God, and yet I'm also believing that I am a failure and a mistake and that I'm not enough and all of these things, I can't hold both of those things. I can't live in the tension of both of those things. Either one is true and one is not. They both can't be true. And so to recognize those things as lies and then to start to replace them with the truth and verbally say that's a lie, but then also verbally say the truth. And I feel like this is what scripture talks about when it talks about renewing our mind. And it's that process of over and over and over and over again that we are speaking the truth. We're calling out the lies and replacing them with truth. And the more that I did this, the more that the truth began to catch hold in my heart and in my mind. And I began to live out of that truth and live with that confidence of who I am in Christ. And truly the truth sets you free. Yeah. Yeah. That's so good. Did you have some help through this process? You know, I mean, it, it's, I, I'm just thinking about, there's so many people that we coach and talk to. And even sometimes I see in myself that I've got a lot of blind spots and I, and I, it's hard for me to recognize some of these lies that I'm telling myself because they're so deeply ingrained. I've been carrying these lies for my entire life, you know, whether it's through some kind of childhood wound or something like that. But I believe these things that it's so difficult for us to recognize them ourselves. Sometimes we need other people to be a mirror. Certainly 
your circumstances, your, your, your child became in some ways a mirror for you in that, but was some, there's some other help that you had in the process to kind of illuminate those, those lies to you? You know, I really feel like that the number one key for me was the Holy Spirit. And I look back and I see him putting people and resources in my path that I wasn't seeking out, that then it would just be this aha moment for me. And it was around this time that I started going through this discipleship program at our church that is really about wholehearted living and really how your thoughts and your emotions and your feelings and your choices and how it all is connected and yeah. recognizing how there, you know, there's so much at the root of what is on the surface. And so yeah. often we're trying to address surface issues and just kind of slap a bandage on something um, or put a pretty pot of flowers there instead of really getting to what is the root and really asking why and digging into that. And so that was really, really um, instrumental in my life, going through this really intensive nine-month program where mm. we dug into our background and our childhood and the lies that we believed and where a lot of our emotions and our responses and all of this, where it's rooted in. And yeah. so that was very, very helpful. And then also um, our child being in therapy, I feel like I was somewhat in therapy along with them um, because the therapist was really helping me as a parent and kind of going back and you know relearning how to parent as well. And so I feel like there were just so many things that I see books and people and you know these opportunities in our church and in therapy that God just brought into my path to illuminate these things that I really needed to work on. Yeah. Hey friends, do you lead a small group in your hometown or are you a part of one? Either way, are you looking for a curriculum to help guide your group through the fall? Well, now we have different pain to purpose small group package options over at nothingiswasted.com. One that is six weeks long and covers the new pain to purpose devotional and one that is 12 weeks long and covers the entire pain to purpose course. Now, if your group is ambitious, we even have a third option. It's called the 12-Week Plus Package, and it comes with the entire course and the devotional. And we're running a special right now on these packages. I'll tell you about how to get in on that special in just a moment. But first, the Pain to Purpose course is an 11-part video series that is a proven pathway to help you and your small group remove the debris of crisis in your lives repair the broken pieces left in its wake, rebuild a solid foundation, and move forward with a renewed sense of purpose and mission as a group. Without a clearly marked path and a carefully devised plan, the valleys that we all face will only seem to grow darker, more depressing, and more difficult to navigate. When left unaddressed or when we try to address them on our own, which is why we believe in doing the Pain to Purpose course in groups, so that you can find a community of people who have experienced trauma and tragedy and help each other make it out on the other side of the valley together. You'll be surprised at how people that you may have known for a long time will open up about their own pain and suffering through the life-changing Pain to Purpose journey. Now, if you're interested in learning more about how the Pain to Purpose course or the Pain to Purpose devotional could be a great resource for your small group, head over to nothingiswasted.com slash smallgroup. Again, that's nothingiswasted.com slash small group. Now back to our interview. Yeah, 
You know, I think everybody who's listening to this right now, who's a parent can resonate with what you're saying in some sense. You know, we all come to these places where, I mean, I talk to my wife almost every night. It feels like we're, we're at our wits end, just going like, are we doing this right? Like, are we, it's just so difficult to know. And, you know, I mean, we all hear stories about the greatest parents in the world who have a wayward child and the worst parents in the world who have a saint for a child. And it's just, there, it doesn't seem to be formulaic a lot of times. And we're all just trying to fumble our way through it. But I'm curious if you, um, maybe you can paint a picture for us a little bit of uh, now, as you look back prior to this kind of major crisis happening, what was your parenting? What did it look like? You know, what, what were some circumstances that you found yourself compl- uh, j- correcting over and over and over it, that, that now you would look back on and you would approach it completely differently? Maybe you can kind of help paint that picture for us so we can put ourselves in those situations as well as, as parents. Yeah, so I look back on how I used to parent and it was there was so much stress. There was so much frustration, so much exhaustion, so much... Um, micromanaging and psychoanalyzing. I feel like those are the two words that would Mm -hmm. really have just defined who I was as a parent. I was constantly micromanaging my kids and constantly psychoanalyzing my responses and always feeling like my kids weren't measuring up and I wasn't measuring up. And And so a lot of times this would come out in, let's say that a child had done something that, you know... um, they were in the other room fighting. I'm going to come in and just instantly go to thinking of my reputation or playing this out in the future thinking, if they act like this now, how this is going to affect them in such a detrimental way. And ultimately, like people are going to look at me as a bad mom because I haven't handled and taught my kids this character. And so yeah. it was really um, fear-based because I was thinking of the future and it was pride-based because I was thinking of my reputation. And so when you parent out of a space of fear of the future, you are going to micromanage and bubble wrap and overprotect your kids. Or if you parent out of a space of pride and it's about your reputation, again, you are going to be trying to manipulate and control your kids. And so really getting to the root of where are our responses as a parent coming from? I was just talking to a mom yesterday who was saying she has a 16-month-old, it's her first child, and she has been yelling at this child so much, and she's so upset with this child multiple times a day, and she's like, I don't know what to do. How do I stop yelling at my child? And you know, there's a lot of bandages that we could slap on for helping yeah. people to stop yelling, but ultimately we got to deal with the root. And, and she was talking about how she's so scared that her child's going to get hurt. And, you know, so dealing with where is that coming from? Where is that fear coming from? Yes, there's a natural, you know, as a parent, it's our job to protect our 16-month-old. But if we are getting so anxious that it's coming out as anger because maybe something in our childhood happened or something where we feel like, you know, we've got to control this child and protect this child and nothing can ever happen wrong to this child, really digging into that because... If we start to analyze when we feel that frustration rising 
It's usually about so much more than this little incident that's happening in our home. And if we can unpack that and dig, keep asking why. And so many times when I tell people to ask why, they'll, you know, why, why are you frustrated with your child? They'll be like, because they're fighting. And I'm like, (laughs) okay, why are you frustrated that they're fighting and digging into where is that actually coming from? And a lot of times you have to keep asking why multiple times and paying attention to your triggers and what is causing the tension, the frustration to rise for you, because there is so much that we can learn from that. And then to really ask the Holy Spirit to help us to start to heal from those deep wounds or those deep hurts or that fear that we're carrying around that is causing us to lash out at our kids. Mm, Yeah. I think one of the most difficult parts, especially for those of us who carry some, some deep wounds, whether we've walked through some kind of big T trauma or little, little T traumas or childhood trauma that's compounded itself is that as you begin to recognize those things, while parenting, as your kids become kind of a mirror to you and they start exposing some of this in you, you're now, um, you're now faced with all, you know, I'm, I'm having to kind of analyze this stuff inside of my own heart while trying to shepherd this other heart. And it can just get really difficult because the busyness of life, the pace of life, we're always in a hurry and a frenzy. And so trying to do both of those things at the same time. And yet all of us are prone to respond out of the things that happened generationally to us. You know, we, we talk about this quite a bit, your family of origin and your, and, and scripture calls it kind of the, the generational sin curse that you pass down as an inheritance to your kids unwittingly. You don't even know you're responding in the same ways that you were responded to, or that you learned how to respond. And so here you are confronted with this and going, man, I've got to really do some deep heart work myself all the while still shepherding the, these young hearts that are in front of me, that can be exhausting in and of itself. Um, do you have any, any insight into, you know, how do we slow down enough to do that? What does it look like for us to, to really create a nice, peaceful environment in our home? Well, I think one of the things that I have leaned into so much in the last few years that I didn't really understand is the power of the Holy Spirit and mm-hmm. how we have God's Spirit in us. That's great, yeah. God is not only Emmanuel, God with us, He is God in us through His Holy Spirit. And so, you know, every day starting my day with giving it over to the Lord, but then praying for His Spirit to walk with me. And so in those moments when we're feeling so overwhelmed, because maybe we're being confronted with, we've got a lot of stuff we need to work through, you know, just recognizing we have His Spirit in us that is a superpower that can supercharge us. We don't have to do this on our own. We don't have to parent on our own. We don't have to walk through our hurt on our own. And for a few years, I just started praying, Jesus, heal me. Like you are the healer. Please heal me. I know there's so much that is broken in my heart. I don't even know what it is. I don't even know where it's coming from, but heal me. And he is so faithful. And so just crying out to him and in um, Love Centered Parenting, I talk about flare prayers is what I call them, where a lot of times okay. we don't have the opportunity to get on our knees and pray for 30 minutes, but, and yeah. we need to address a situation with a child or in our own heart. And so just shooting up a flare prayer of, you know, God, help me to love this child in this situation or help me. I'm feeling really overwhelmed spirit. Yeah. Just give me 
the words to handle this. Give me the wisdom to know how to deal with this. And so just constantly going throughout our day, relying on the Holy Spirit and recognizing we're going to be exhausted if we try to do this in our own strength, but we don't have to. That's great. That's great. You know, as you're saying that, I'm thinking, you know, just a couple of weeks ago, we had this, my wife and I had this really sweet moment where, um, uh, it was a Sunday I wasn't preaching. And so we're, we're trying to get the kids ready. And of course, on a Sunday, as you're trying to get the kids ready, the enemy's going to throw all kinds of things that he can to try to get, uh, the, the animosity stirred up inside of your household so that you're coming into, uh, attending church in this really just crappy mood. And, um, you know, we had behavioral issues going on and we've got dogs pooping everywhere and baby pooping everywhere and all kinds of stuff. And it was just this, this sweet moment where Christy and I just stopped for a second and said, let's just pray. Let's just pray right now, right where we are for like, let's hold everything. Just let's not deal with everything right now. And for two seconds, let's pray. And it was amazing. Just that little moment, just what kind of energy we felt there, the Holy Spirit energy coming over us and, and saying, okay, we're going to, we're not going to let the enemy have his way here. We're going to ask for the empowerment of the Holy Spirit to, to handle these situations in a loving way. And, and I just think when I stopped and listened, when I stopped and realized and thought back on that, Crystal, I was like, why don't I do that more often? Cause there was a very, there was a very tangible change that happened in our spirit and our energy in in our closeness, you know, as a couple. And, um, you know, it's what you're talking about right now is this, we carry the presence of God with us. Um, we're going to exhaust ourselves trying to do this by ourselves. So let's tap into the the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead. Of course, that same spirit can empower us when it comes to parenting decisions. And I think it can also be such an example for our kids, you know, for them to see us relying on the Lord, relying on the Holy Spirit, for them to just hear us crying out, Jesus, help me right now. I don't know how to handle this situation or thank you, Jesus, for protecting us or, you know, just for them to hear us communing with God's Spirit on an everyday basis. I think that that's so powerful for our kids, for them to see that relationship with Jesus walked out. Yeah, that's great. That's so great. Okay. So you talked about this kind of a two year journey where, you know, you're really beginning to untangle some of the stuff in your, your, your own heart and you're walking with this child particularly, but of course, all of your children, as you're really trying to shift and change the way that you're parenting. And I know, obviously we've talked about just the presence of the Holy spirit. Um, but outside of that, did you have some other kind of like plan or path or regiment that you followed within that, this two year journey? You know, what, what were some ways that you really, was there anything, um, you know, intentional or methodical on untangling some of the, some of the lies that you were believing, or was this really just like a, a, a journey where you're just following the Holy spirit as he's pointing things out to you? Were, were, were there some, you know, so, uh, so obviously there was a, um, you know, this discipleship, this nine month discipleship program that you went through and, and, but there's some counseling, some good, close, trusted friends. There's a community around you that you guys talk. I mean, what were some of these, maybe some handholds throughout this path that we can all glean from and say, okay, how can we kind of surround ourselves with these types of, uh, uh, team members or players or principals within our own journey as we're trying to untangle our own, um, wounds and trauma. 
One of the beautiful things about the discipleship program is that it's a large group of women, but they have small groups who walk through it Mm. together. And so um, there were just usually about six or seven women in a small group. And then with two um, leaders who would walk through with this whole nine month process and walk through them um, with that. And so that was really, really pivotal for me to... um, not only hear this, not only read it from the program and the workbook, but then to go into a room, you know, once a week with this small group of women and to process through what we're learning and to have them ask really good questions and pray Mm. for me and a space to be vulnerable and a space to be honest about what you're struggling with. And so that was really powerful for me. And I also look back and I see how there were these moments and these things that God placed in my path. And one of them was a podcast that I was listening to. It was the Trim Healthy Mama podcast of all things. But there was a question (laughs) that the um, guest that they had on that podcast, um, she was talking about her journey of just the negative narrative in her head. And she said she started asking herself, how would loved me live? What would mm. loved me say? How would loved me react? What? How would loved me think? And I just, I remember sitting in the driveway and just, I couldn't turn this podcast off. And I'm just yeah. thinking of this and soaking this up and realizing this is right at this time when I'm recognizing these lies that I'm believing and realizing that I don't understand the depths of God's love. And I am yeah. not camping in that love and living out of that love. And I started to ask myself, how would loved me live? Like if yeah, I truly believed that I was fully and wholeheartedly loved by the God of the universe, how would it change the way that I live my everyday life? And I realized it would radically change it because I don't need other people's approval anymore because I don't need to worry about what other people think. It's not about that. It's not about people pleasing. It's not about my reputation. It's about living as love and letting God's love flow through me to my kids, to my husband, in my community, I know in every sphere of my life. And so I, I think of that, that podcast, God just put that in my life right then. And it is something that has profoundly impacted me. And I would also say just the truth of God's word and just constantly seeking to be in God's word and also worship music and just Filling myself, I always say, cram yourself so full of truth that (laughs) there isn't space for the lies to reside. And so to continually, just like we talked about renewing your mind, continually be reminding yourself of, you know, pasting scripture up in different parts of the house. I would put it on my bathroom mirror, have it on your phone so that you're just seeing it constantly and reminding yourself of the truth of who you are in Christ. And that really changed everything for me. That's great. Isn't it interesting how Jesus said, love your neighbor as you love yourself? You know, in some ways I feel like that, that can be almost a, um, uh, almost a, a descriptive statement rather than a prescriptive statement that you're going to love your neighbor to the degree that you love yourself. And and I don't mean love yourself in a, in a vain way. I don't mean it in a self-centered way. I don't, I don't mean it in a narcissistic way. I mean it in the way of, of recognizing that you're at peace with yourself because you realize you're loved by the by the creator of the universe. And so, you know, what you, what you don't have, you're not envying of somebody else because you're at peace with yourself. You're at peace with who God created you to be and who you are in him. And so out of that, you can overflow this love onto other people, but without that, it's impossible to overflow that love 
onto other people. We can't understand unconditional love without understanding the unconditional love of the Father. And um, it's remarkable as you know, you begin to untangle this, that God began to really download that uh, in, inside of your soul, inside of your spirit. Pain is unavoidable. And yet, the primary place I see people get stuck in their pain journey is that they try to avoid addressing it altogether. Recovery starts the moment we choose to take that first step toward wholeness and we lean into the painful emotions. While we believe we have so much to offer as a ministry to help you in your recovery journey, we know there is one area that you need that we don't directly provide, and that is traditional counseling and therapy services. That's why we partner with Faithful Counseling. They are an online worldwide organization that provides virtual counseling from wherever you are. They have licensed therapists who are certified by their state's board to provide traditional mental health counseling from a Christian perspective. You can receive the help you need quickly when you sign up because they match you with a counselor in 24 hours or less. Then you can connect with them anytime via your computer, tablet, or mobile phone through video calls, phone calls, or text messaging. And if your counselor you are matched with isn't a good fit for you, you're able to switch at any time to find someone who better fits your needs. To be clear, Faithful Counseling is not a crisis line, but it can be an incredible resource in your healing journey. It costs $65 per week, and financial aid is available to those who qualify, which you can apply for during the sign-up process. To learn more, go to faithfulcounseling.com slash nothingiswasted. If you sign up through that link only, you'll receive 10% off your first month of counseling for being a part of the Nothing Is Wasted community. Again, that's faithfulcounseling.com slash nothing is wasted. And now back to our interview. As you're, as you're kind of, you know, you're journeying this now out for a little while, what kind of shifts have you seen? How would you describe maybe shifts in, that you've seen in your, um, in this particular child, but in your home in general, you know, I mean, I imagine as you're explaining this, as I'm kind of, I'm just intuiting right now that, that the, the climate of your home probably looks drastically different than what it did. And, yes. and so talk to me a little bit about that. Paint that picture for me. Yes, it is. I am a completely different person and we have a completely different home, a completely different marriage. It is amazing how, when you understand how much you are loved by God, how it changes everything. Mm. And One of the things that I talk about in the book is how, as parents, we often think our job is something that it isn't at all. And that is why we are so stressed and frustrated. I ask on my Instagram, I'm the money saving mom on Instagram. And I asked while I was writing this book for people to fill in the blank. My job as a parent is to blank. Mm. I got hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of responses. And what's fascinating to me is I would say 98 to 99% of the responses are things that we ultimately have no control over as a parent. For instance, so many people said, my job as a parent is to make sure that my kids have great character, have, you know, go on to get great jobs and be successful in the world and go to heaven. Mm. As a parent, we cannot control... What happens, you know, when, when we launch our child into the world, 
we cannot choose the choices that they're going to make. We don't control right. where they're going to go, how successful they're going to be. You know, we are not our child's savior and Holy Spirit. So if yeah. we spend all our life thinking our job as a parent is to save our child or to protect them from harm or to make sure that they have a really successful life. We are going to constantly feel the weight and the pressure and the exhaustion of right. trying to be God to our parent, to yeah. our children. And yeah. that is just no wonder so many parents are just completely overwhelmed. And so I right. realized that that was, I was trying to micromanage and bubble wrap and overprotect and, you know, just make sure that my kids didn't struggle and that they, you know, were making good choices and that everything was going well in their life. And I was exhausted. And so when I started parenting from this place of just letting God's love flow through me to my kids and understanding how much I was loved and that I didn't have to try to do all the things and be everything to my kids that I couldn't in my own strength and yeah. that I wasn't called to be their savior and Holy Spirit. There was just freedom there that yeah. instead of trying to fix them, I could just walk with them. Yeah. Instead of constantly just trying to correct them, I could connect with them. And so there's just been so much love and peace and joy in our home. And I don't say that. I mean, I feel like it's kind of cliche to say, but my kids would tell you, my 16-year-old, my 14-year-old, my 12-year-old, you know, last night, my 16-year-old was just, we were in my room and she was just sitting next to me and she's just like, mom, I just love our home. She literally said this. She's like, and I love that my friends just want to come and hang out at our home. And that's just God. Like that is yeah. the work of God that there's just this peace in our home. And it's, it's messy. It's chaotic. It's loud. It's, you know, yeah. we're don't get any impressions that like we <laughs> have this perfect home by any means, but there's peace mm. and there's love and there's yeah. joy and there's laughter. And I'm like, that's, that's the most important. And so in love centered parenting, I really encourage parents to recognize what their job isn't and to take the weight of that off. But then I give them four life-giving choices that they can make. These are not dependent upon your kids' choices or their behavior. And so to focus on what can we do. And so these four choices are to lean in and love, to listen well, to lead with humility, and to let go. And those are really what guide my parenting now. As I'm going into a situation I need to address with a child, you know, lean in and love, listen well lead with humility and let go. And I don't have to focus so much on the end game and the end results and making sure that they make all the perfect choices. I can just love them and listen to them and lead with humility and ultimately let go and trust God with them and their lives and their future. That's so good. To what degree did um, this require uh, what was probably one of your worst fears, as you were saying earlier, that you you were really focused on reputation and you were kind of leading out of the space of reputation, parenting out of the space of reputation. And now you're having to admit that everything's not peachy at home, right? And to what degree was that admission with this group of people kind of a key that unlocks uh, this this new season, this healing that took place in your life? Yeah, I feel like that just me being honest 
there is a, so much freedom in that. Now, I don't feel like you need to tell everybody everything. There's a reason <laughs> right. why this book was written in the way that it was, where I don't share which child it is. And there are a lot of people that have tried really hard to figure out which child, and they've guessed wrong. So, um, because I want to protect my kids. And so we don't need to share all the things, but um, I'm really grateful that my kids were willing for me to share this story. And um, for me, this book was part of the healing process too, because I saw how I never would have dreamed that God was going to bring this kind of beauty out of this, the ashes. And I just remember being in that space for that whole entire year when our child was really, really struggling and feeling so alone because I couldn't share with many people um, at that point, just because we were just trying to navigate this well and we wanted to protect our child and all of that. And I just remember thinking someday I want to write something for the mom of that child. And to four years later, get the opportunity to share this story and to encourage encourage other moms that you're not alone and that God is with you in this and God can use this in really amazing ways. And your story is going to be different than mine, but God is going to be in it and you can trust him in it. Wow. That's great. That's great. Crystal, this has been a fantastic conversation. I so appreciate your heart and, and your vulnerability. Um, I know that there's so many parents, um, that are, that are going to benefit from this. I know I'm over here taking notes furiously. I mean, those four L's that you just wrote down and all, or that you, that you said, I'm writing those down and I'm like, man, I am evaluating the climate of our home right now. And I'm evaluating the climate of my own heart. And so I appreciate you just kind of holding up a mirror and reflecting that through your own experience. Where can we follow what you're doing? Um, where can we tune in more? to crystal pain and the, and, and your life and the craziness, the chaoticness, the mess, but also, um, just this new insight that you're bringing to the world. So I always encourage people to follow me on Instagram. That's where you get to kind of see the behind the scenes. I talk a lot about foster care and parenting, obviously about saving money and just, um, this life that God has us in right now, that is never what I would have dreamed or imagined <laughs> this adventure that we are on. Um, and so I'm the money saving mom on Instagram. And then also if you love great deals and want to learn how to save more money, um, moneysavingmom.com. That's awesome. Well, thanks so much for spending time with us and thanks for pouring into our listeners. Thank you so much for having me on. Well, Davey, you were in the room with her, but just hearing that, that was a convicting conversation yeah. with Chris. I mean, really, really good stuff. Yeah. I also was evaluating my parenting the whole time. The entire time. I felt so convicted by it, especially yeah. like, I mean, I've heard this before. I think I heard it first from Andy Stanley, the idea of connection over correction. Mm. And it was like, wow, gut, gut punch again, probably just yep. because we are in that season. Like you are in it with the three little ones. You uh, definitely are. It's like, we feel, I feel like we're the whole MO of our household is developing systems for them to kind <sighs> of operate in like, what, how do you be a contributing human being instead of just needy and, you know, mm. cantankerous and always like mess, you know, like every yeah. time we, we can't even trust you in the same, in the room by yourself or what, like, it's like, uh, oh, and so it's so hard. We just always feel like we are, 
holding the bar, guarding the bar, holding the guard, guarding the, guarding the bar. And it's, and it can get so frustrating. And even just hearing her say connection over correction, I'm going, yeah, that, that I needed to hear that again. Yeah. That's a good word. I think for a lot of parents listening connection over correction. I, I know I was telling you this earlier, Davey, that, uh, Kevin used to always say to me, especially when my kids were young and I wanted them to like do what I wanted them to do right then. Right, right. He would always remind me, Aubrey, they're humans, not robots. Yeah. They're humans. Not... And I would just have to say that to myself. Ugh. These are humans, not <laughs> robots. You kind I think of robotically we... repeated that over and over. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. And, you know, there's that cliche, but I think it's a cliche for a good reason that yeah. we're human beings, not human doings. Yeah. And I think it's really important for us as parents to let our kids. Right. Be and choose yeah. to yeah connect with their little precious hearts rather than expecting them to be perfect robot children yeah and honestly yeah. that takes longer but that's actually less stressful in the end because you don't have such a stressful household where you're True. like do this do this blah, 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 you know right I think but, uh, and I think that's one thing ahead. that we've been evaluating is to, what you're just saying is what's the climate of our household mm-hmm. right like I mean sure it's fine if they can execute these certain chores or these certain, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, great. But if it's stressful and if it's, if it's creating an anxious household, is that really what we're wanting to have? Is that what we want our kids to remember as their upbringing, you know? Right. Right. And so we, yeah, we've been really taking a step back and going, okay. You know, and I think what's been difficult is, you know, we've been in like the, the starting back of school and they've started a brand new routine and the it's five yes. days a week for them now. Right. We're, wow. We transitioned from full homeschooling to the hybrid model and now it's five days a week. And so you're, you're talking about up in the morning and having to do breakfast, yes. all that comes around. you know, yep. I mean, most getting most up dressed, getting about the brush your teeth. Your, I mean, all this, this that isn't stuff right. Is we got to like, get out the door and we got to be out the door by seven twenty. Yep. and we got to, you know, and then it's just, there doesn't feel like a whole lot of breath in the day mm. and breath is where that connection takes place. Absolutely. And so, you know, I'm not, I, we haven't figured out the answer to that. We're trying to figure that out right now. So be encouraged if you're listening to this and you're feeling like you're in the same space, you know, it's don't feel ashamed or condemned. This is the target we should all, you know, work toward, but you may not have it figured out right now. Yeah. I know, you know, we're, we're in a season a little bit beyond you, Davey. And I feel like (laughs) our, our struggles are different struggles now. Like, you know, we've got a teenager and I'm not going to share his his issues on the podcast, but things that we're working with our teenager about like heart yeah. issues that are really different than when he was little, right. you know, and, and that doesn't feel quite as like that. I know exactly what you're talking about that stress in the house, yeah. but it is a different kind of, uh, emotional sure. parenting to process and ask for the Lord's wisdom for. And, right. you know, I, I think a lot about, uh, when Christopher Yuan was on the podcast mm. And he talked about his mom. He talked about his mom praying for him for like 30 years, Mm. fasting for him. But he said his mom would specifically pray, and I'm going to butcher it a little bit, but something like, God, like no matter what, go find my kid, go get my kid. And that is something since, since we had him on the podcast, I have been convicted to pray that for my kids. Like, Lord, go find my kids and then tell me when I need to like right. know something is going on in their lives or, or right. know what to approach, know what to look at, know what to call them out on. Yeah. And I do think that's the beautiful thing in parenting is though we are frail and we lose our patience. The Lord loves our kids more than we do right. and ultimately does give us wisdom that's supernatural yeah. 
yeah. to guide and parent our kids, even when we do it imperfectly. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, I want to do a little exercise. All right. Okay. Aubrey. All right. Here we go. Um, Crystal was talking quite a bit as, you know, she, she said this statement, you know, my job as a parent is to oh, blank. Right. And you kind of evaluate that. What's the first thing that comes to your mind when you, my job as a parent is to. Uh, I immediately thought, point my kids to Jesus. And then the second thing I thought was just like, love them no matter what. Yeah, and I don't, so good. I mean, I don't think I do either. I know I don't do either <laughs> perfectly, but by the grace of God, like hopefully I'm remembering those things. Okay. What yeah. about you? Yeah. What well, was your, I was actually going to say the parent? exact same thing as far as point my kids to Jesus. Mm-hmm. And I, I think part of it, we, Chris, Christy and I have been talking about this a lot, that our kids just seem like they're in a season where they're extremely needy. They need us a lot. Mm. And we're trying to evaluate, is their cup empty? Like, are we not giving them enough yeah. of that connection? But yeah. then the more that we try to, the more it feels like that they they have a bottomless cup like they or they right. it just it's always empty and yeah so we're going well it, then we always evaluate the is it trauma related like transition related so we have right. to look through that filter all the time you know with mm-hmm. Natalia coming from a divorce and Weston from the death of his mom and yes absolutely. you know and then blending all the blending family all that kind of stuff and then we go okay so like why are our kids needy all the time and then we can when we hit a breaking point we just go we've got to figure out how no matter what they need to understand we will disappoint them. We will fall Absolutely. short. Absolutely, We yes. will not be able to fill up their cups. We will not yes. be able to satiate all of their emotional desires, but there right. is one who can. That's right. And so it's like, that's what our job is, is to point them. And that means we can, there's a lot of grace in that because then we can admit our mistakes to them. <laughs> right. Right. We say, Hey, I'm sorry if we messed up right there. Right. Right. We did fail you. We're actually mm. sort of meant to fail you so yeah. that you can find that That's your satisfaction true. is not in us. Your That's satisfaction true. is in Jesus. And so I, I even think our parenting failures, God uses those as yeah. invitations in our kids' lives to, to point our kiddos to the fact that he's the only one who can satisfy our souls. That's right. That's right. But so it good. sure doesn't feel great in the moment, does it, Davey? Sure doesn't. And, uh, <laughs> da- you know, Aubrey and Kevin might be able to give you a lot more parenting advice. Davey and Christy, we're still in the thick of it. We're in the throes of it, trying to figure it all out. So oh, <laughs> we'll just keep oh. learning from all the other experts out there. All the, the other process. experts like Crystal Payne. Like That's Crystal Payne. exactly Pain. right. That's right. Hey, we would love to help you um, on other fronts. Uh, we do have ways that we can help you on parenting fronts, but you know, we have certified guides that help in those areas. Mm-hmm. We have certified guides that can help in, in all kinds of areas. Whatever you're walking through right now, we have a lot of resources right there at nothingiswasted.com, whether it's the Pain to Purpose course or our community groups or hiring a certified guide or just consuming the content that is there. I'm super excited. We're revamping our community platform. We're revamping our membership platform. And so excited to be able to reveal that stuff to you as the fall goes on. Either way, go ahead and connect with us at nothingiswasted.com. Subscribe to our emails where you can get updates on all of those things. Um, we do a lot of stuff. We update you on blog posts or articles or podcast releases, giveaways, the stuff that's happening in the ministry. We want to connect with you and vice versa. We want you to connect with us yeah. so we can journey this thing with you. Uh, so go to yeah, nothingiswasted.com right. and, and check out everything we have there. You can also follow us on Instagram at Nothing Is Wasted Ministries. You can follow Davey at Davey Blackburn. You can follow me at Obsamp. And as always, we like to thank Sleeping At Last for providing all of the music for the Nothing Is Wasted podcast. You can listen to his music wherever it is you listen to your music. Next week, I'm very excited, Davey, because this is my 
friend. That's right. My friend, a ministry leader, an yeah, incredible woman named us. Kelly Olson. Yeah, this That's is right. going to be. And she's friends with Amy Sylvester, who's our new executive Executive admin. ministry assistant. That's her official title. That's right? her official title. Very executive exciting. ministry assistant. And yeah, you guys are like, it was this really cool triangle where it was like, oh, I know her and her and you got to hear it. And when I sat down with her to listen to her story before this podcast interview, I was blown away. We yeah. got connected with their ministry. And so we partner uh, with their ministry. And so you're going to want to listen to this conversation. Let's listen to a little clip from my conversation next week with Kelly Olson. It was the second or third night that we were in Cancun. And uh, I don't remember all the details. And it's always hard for me to share um, some of the specifics. Uh, we had had plenty of drinks and at the, I don't know what time it was even, but um, late in the night, my buddy said to the rest of our friends, I am, um, Kelly and I are going to head back to the resort. And it wasn't the resort I was staying at. It was the resort that him and his friends were staying at. And uh, it all gets kind of blurry, but uh, I remember very vividly um, being back at the hotel room and um, asking him to stop and things going way further than I ever anticipated or ever wanted them to go and um, physically hurting as well as emotionally and just asking him to stop. <laughs> 